the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service podcast. I'm Robert Ramsey and today's podcast is part of the Your Health is Your Wealth project. Today we focus on mental health and well-being and I'm really lucky to be joined by a man who is now a bit of a celebrity and synonymous with resilience and mental health all around the world. All the way from New Zealand today, we've got the resilient farmer, Doug Avery. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm awesome. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well as well. Awesome. Such a good, strong word. That's that. No, no worries there. That's good. Uh, and I said good morning. It really should be good evening to you, shouldn't it? It's good evening over here. We're uh, thirteen hours, so uh, thirteen hours ahead at the moment. Daylight saving was in in New Zealand. Yeah. So, um, midsummer with you. Um, wh- how how's the season going so far? Uh, we had a very uh, an extremely uh, severe drought from uh, from Christmas time through to June uh, this year, which impacted severely on the uh, volume of stock that we run. Uh, but then since then, um, things have picked up and uh, uh, out on the farm, uh, my son Fraser, who runs it there now, uh, they've had an incredibly successful year at uh, bouncing bouncing forward, uh, which is one of my, also one of my favourite terms, don't bounce back, bounce forward. Uh, he's bounced forward and uh, in, in the strong throes of recovery. So it's a little bit dry out there at the moment, but I think it's going to pour there tomorrow, so... Got our fingers crossed. It's good. So in Scotland, we had probably or one of our first experiences of, of, I think, what would be a proper drought this summer. There was a lot of areas really struggling. Uh, and this year, we are certainly at home. We're, we're on just over half the half of our normal annual rainfall. Um, so a, a very different year. And I think we can now feel your pain to an extent. But I, I do wonder whether your your droughts are certainly uh, much more significant than ours. So, and that's I what, can remember... I can remember uh, walking with Rory Christie down near Dumfries uh, and he told me there was a drought on his dairy farm and I was looking around feverishly to to see whereabouts it was and to which individual plant it would apply to uh, <laughs> compared to the droughts that we get um, on our farm here in eastern Melbourne, New Zealand. <laughs> it, wasn't, it was non-existent, but it's all relative, isn't it? And... Um, that's that's really what it's about is is how much difference from the normal. Yeah, and is it fair to say, Doug, that your drought or, or issues around drought and challenges in your farm is what you what led you into the resilience and mental health world? I oh, yeah, absolutely. So I was born and bred on on that farm that we still own. It was only two hundred and six uh, hectares when uh, when I was a, a young boy. And droughts are a major part of eastern Marlborough. Um, our next-door neighbours um, have a salt works here, so they pump water in from the sea and it evaporates and they collect the salt off the uh, salt pans. So it's very high evapotranspiration out there. Uh, but we struck a, um, a period where basically just locked up for eight years and um, my, my mental... Uh, preparation for that was non-existent. I I was born and bred, uh, uh, and and what and am the third generation on that farm, 
So there have been a lot of droughts, and that was part of my DNA, really. But uh, when uh, when that period of time hit, um, I, I, it was it was the worst drought in living memory. So I had no I had no tools, and after three years, I, I broke quite badly, which was um, pretty sad. But I look back on it now, and um, part of Doug Avery's philosophy is <coughs> everything that happens to you is a problem. Uh, if it's a problem, well, then it's only asking for a solution. And that um, eventually led to um, a major change of process on the farm, but also process in the way that I handled things mentally. And the last 22 years of my life have been outstanding. I, I couldn't have wished for um, more than I've had. Yeah, fantastic. Um, no, it, it really, it's it's powerful stuff, and I know it's stuff we've covered in previous farm advisory items. You know, I've had a couple of webinars with you, and also, more importantly, probably your your tour a few years ago in of Scotland. So, I know many people will have heard your story before and and heard all about that. But certainly, I think a, a strong message for people is that the, the the farming system is is important, but the the personal, the tools you've got from a mental health and resilience point of view are, are even more important, aren't they? Ah, uh, yeah, for, yeah. So, to, for me, um, here in New Zealand, we're, we're really starting to get big on mental health, and uh, that started probably about ten years ago. Um, my journey started twenty odd years ago, but as far as I'm concerned, if you're not thinking right, uh, if you if you're not um, physically well and you're not mentally well, well, the process of whatever business you've got well, won't proceed very well either. And so, you know, getting your mind in the right place and growing um, the tools of resilience um, is, is absolutely huge. And, you know, like, just little mind jog, jogs, like I mentioned before. Uh, when things go wrong, um, people will say to you, bounce back. Well, I, I never use that. I always say, well, I've got to bounce forward. Where's the bounce forward position? And uh, Robert, just before you and I went into recording this, we were talking about COVID and the whole world is under extreme pressure. I've heard it recently said that in New Zealand, the time when human beings here were the most resilient was after the Second World War. And uh, I'm absolutely sure that that would also be true for the UK. Uh, my father came back from the war. He was a navigator in the Lancaster bomber for the Royal Air Force. And um, all my life, he drummed into me the stoic resilience of the British people. Um, good times allow our resilience to slowly fade. And I think that probably at the moment, globally, uh, the call for us all is to look to our mind management. Uh, that comes first. If you look after your mind, you'll look after your physical well-being as well. And ask yourself, you know, how can you improve your response to uh, to challenge? And that's a, that's something which I have to do on a daily basis. How can you know things have changed for me? 
and um, and I have to be prepared to dig deep and uh, and respond to those challenges in whatever way I can. So the learning that I did 22 years ago has stood me in good stead for the, the, the years since, and we've had a lot of very challenging things happen in that time. And I've found as an individual person that I've been able to um, ride those times a heck of a lot better in the farm, for instance. It's the last two years have been the worst two years in terms of climate that we've had since that eight-year drought. Um, but the farm and the people have come through it the best ever. And it's just a joy to my heart to see that the uh, lessons that were taught the hard way to us have been passed on to the next generation and uh, and being delivered out in uh, amazingly excellent response. Yeah, fantastic. Now, the one thing I want to pick up on there is, is stoicism. So we've got the, the you know, the British stiff, up, stiff upper lip, you know, a toughen up and get on with it. There's a certain amount of that isn't isn't helpful, is it? You know, sucking it up and getting on with it, we can only do for so long. Uh, one of the one of the great one of the great problems, uh, uh, the, the the biggest problem around mental health, and it's the reason that mental health's worse globally in men rather than females, is our inability as a, a our less ability as individuals to deal with. Um, vulnerability and shame and so as we go through life stuff happens and uh, women are far more likely and I, I sometimes women don't agree with me on this but i'm quite sure i'm right women are more likely to seek help from a from a from a friend or the like if they're going through bad times whereas men have, we've been trained, and I can remember my parents, who are magnificent parents, I can remember them often saying to me, stop acting like a girl. And so what they're actually saying to me is, you know, harden up, son, uh, and you stand you stand there and, you know, take what's going on around here and be a man. Well, one of the things that I learned is that the roadway forward for all of us is not being that kind of person. Uh, when things happen that uh, are huge in our minds, um, we have to have a process to be able to deal with them. And so if you've got that stoic kind of hard-faced man look about it, you can't cry, you can't tell anyone else that you're really struggling, uh, you'll internalise that and that will build and grow and will be unsolved and at the end of the day, when it finally rears its ugly head, it'll either come out in anger or worse. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we see in our suicide statistics here in New Zealand, and I know they're very similar in your country and around the world and a hell of a lot worse in some places, um, that ugly truth is borne out in the figures. So what the... the um, <clears throat> One of the most amazing things about life is that if you can back off that a bit, and I'm not suggesting that people, every time something goes wrong, you burst out crying and run off down the road seeking somebody to have a good cry with. 
but it's about actually in good times growing uh, relationships around you of people that you can trust to confide in at those difficult times and open your heart and say, look, buddy, at the moment, this is what's going on in my life. I don't know how, how to deal with it. Can you give me a hand? And just that pure act of sharing, sharing that burden uh, is one of the most valuable things that a heart can do. The old saying that a, 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 lo- a, 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 a challenge shared is a load halved uh, applies 100% of the time. So when, uh, I'm pretty sure it'll be the same in Scotland, but here in New Zealand, when our girls have a bit of grief going on, they often will get on the phone and ring their best friend and say, Jill, this is what's happened to to me. And I, what do you think? And they'll have a good old chat about it. And that's incredibly healthy. And so we need us tough old males, our stoic old males. Uh, we need to soften our arteries and soften our attitudes and just just buy into life. Let the sun shine a little bit deeper into our hearts. The real roadway forward out there is around that kind of thinking. I soften my attitude, soften my arteries, let the sun shine at my heart. My business opportunities went through the roof. I invited people to come into my life to help. I set up teams to help me. And when I was in Scotland and when I toured England, I talked about the formation of geese. That's what that's all about. I never, ever fly alone in this world anymore. I'm always forming teams. If I'm playing sport, I've got to organise a team so we've got all bases covered. If we're doing something in the business line, I'm always organising it so we've got somebody to help me to fly the front when I need a break and to keep it all going and to help in sharing and building the ideas. So it's a strategy which, you know, if you believe that I, and the information that I give, that geese get 71% more flying distance from flying that structure. And, and when I was in the Orkney Islands, they said to me, oh, we shoot... 65,000 geese a year, the bastards, they keep coming up here. Well, they're very successful if they can keep having that many shot and they keep coming. Mm. And, you know, to me, to be a successful human being, uh, and I would absolutely guarantee you that I've had 70% uh, plus advantage from adopting the geese strategy in my life. Yeah. And and we all, you know, as kids or, or our own kids get you know sent to a or sent to they get encouraged to play team sports and to, and it's all the playing of team sports is all a, a life lesson and, and then generally we get to adult life, working life and we've we've forgotten some of those lessons, the importance of having that team and the importance of a support round about you. I, I was laughing when you were talking about a women and and support for each other so my wife is a she's got two sisters and a brother and so her the, the three girls and her and her mum will get together every two or three days and have an hour long basically conference call this and I, I often say what what can you talk about you know you spoke to them two days ago and um so no, no, we're just making sure everybody's okay just going through you know just just making talking about each other and like then the guys in the same family we go all right how's it going yeah good 
<laughs> and then go on and talk about other people. So, you know, it's it's very different, and and I think there's an awful lot to be learned in there. Um, yeah, so so Robert, we are different creatures, uh, us males, and and I work um, uh, periodically uh, with with broken people. Well, fairly regularly actually, and and sometimes I'm working with women. So women women sometimes have trouble sharing their grief as well. Uh, but it's it's just so much more awesome. My life, uh, the sun came up 22 years ago after uh, five years of depression, and it's never gone down. And, you know, when I, it's not that I haven't had things that are really tough still happening. It's just that I've learned to be a far better processor of of messaging and and then an, and and then learning to how to uh, action those things, um, and I, I guess I guess uh, one of my favourite uh, stories around that I'm basically just a storyteller these days is the story of the four C's. <clears throat> so I've got quite a reputation here in New Zealand. Built the farm up from two hundred and six hectares. Sold uh, sold to my son just recently. The half share that I still own with my wife. To him and his wife, uh, sold two thousand three hundred and thirty hectares plus three hundred and fifty hectares of lease, and uh, not only is it a lot bigger, but it's also one of the higher performing sheep and beef farms in the country. It happens to do that in one of the least favoured areas of the country. So, our story's been a bit of a, a bit of a. Um, a shaker up of the system here. And so I get a lot of people come to me asking for help. And uh, I, I love helping people. It's one of the um, one of the things that I will never forget that other people helped me to recover my life 22 years ago. And my only way of really repaying that uh, to the world is to help as many people as I can. And so people will come to me and um, this is the 4C story and they'll say to me, Doug, uh, you, you've doubled your farm in size and velocity and everything quite a few times. I want to do something like that with my business. Would, would you help me? And I'll say, yeah, 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 sure. I'd love to help you. And they'll look at me and say, oh, um, I'll say, I'll look at them rather and say, when are you going to start? And they'll look a bit sheepishly at me and say, look, I'll start when I've got uh, – the confidence, uh, that's when I'll start. And I'll look at them and I'll say, well, you'll never start. When I started out on this journey of, of massive change, I had no confidence. In fact, I had zero confidence. I just wanted to try to find a new place in the world. And that person will look at and I'll, and I'll say to them, you'll never start if you're waiting to feel confident at the start of a new journey. And he'll look at me a bit sheepishly and say, oh, Doug, what I meant was I still need to develop a little bit of capability. And I just smile at them and I say, look, there are four C's in a journey, in an action journey. You've given me the fourth C, which is confidence. That's what you get when you get there. You've given me the third C, capability. What are the first two C's? And they'll look at sort of, Oh, gee, gee, I don't know, Doug. You know, well, I don't know. Well, I'll say to them, the first one is you've got to commit. You've actually got to commit to a journey if you're going to make it. You've got to actually say, this is where I want to be 
in five years' time. Uh, I don't care about all the other stuff that's going on in the world. I've, the last year I've had my head's been spread all over these multitudes of things that are going on. I don't care about all those other things. I'm going to focus on the journey of my family and my farm or my business. I'm going to commit to that. And the question you ask yourself at that time is, who do I need in my team? Start forming the geese. Who do I need to make sure that this difficult journey has got the support people that I need to have to make it go? So commitment is the first C. And then comes the hardest C of the whole lot. The second C, you've got to have courage. One of the parts about resilience, resilience is born from hard times. I call myself the resilient farmer. My resilience was birthed from the saddest, most broken time of my life and my determination to give life one more lick. The courage stage is after you've got your team together and you know where you want to be in five years and you know the task that's in front. But no one can ever go through that time and most people look at that and think, no, I'm not, I'm not prepared to do it. It's too much of a risk. I'll stay where I am. But in a globe and in an economy and a world which is changing now at fever pitch with threats of all sorts, climate change, diseases, pandemics, political, geopolitical problems, there's a hell of a lot of reasons why you feel, well, maybe you shouldn't change. Just keep the powder dry and stay where you are. But I would suggest that that's the most foolish thing you can ever do. So you've got to go into the courage stage. I've been into that many times with every project I've ever done. I'll wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I'll think, hell, have I thought of everything? Have I borrowed too much money? Have I got the right people in my team? The courage stage is deliberately designed to make you feel uneasy. And as you feel uneasy, the most important thing, if you understand the way it all works, is you'll start looking to develop capability. That will force you, once you've made the commitment and you feel so uncomfortable in the courage stage, to get the learning processes into managing this new endeavour that you've taken on, no matter what it is. might be a, your golf swing and golf. You've decided to give up thrashing the ball like you used to and you've got a coach and he's teaching you. Whatever it is in life, the four C's applies to it all. And as you start to develop capability, which is learning, and learning's got one of the highest associations with good mental health, you'll start to feel better. You'll think, by hell, I'm, I've got 10 things wrong today, but I've got one right. Yes. And you'll immediately feel empowered. And as your capability and the support comes in from the people that you chose to go on this journey with you, and if you, as you get more skilled at this, you learn who's more likely to be the right people, what suits you and your personality as a person, and who got, who's got the knowledge that you need. 
And they'll help keep you on this course. And as the capability develops, guess what? You start to feel confident. Confident human beings feel absolutely awesome. You've just nailed a new ability, a new task, a new method, a new process. That's wonderful. And that sort of is, you're wandering around the world thinking, gee, you know, look, I'm so pleased I did this. And you're thinking about all the things that you you conquered as you came through. And then there's another great thing, and I call this, uh, this is the next story. That leads on to the next story. The vulnerability actually creates the pathway forward. So the current stage is full of vulnerability. You've got no control about what's going on in your life. You've got some, but it's the most uncontrolled you've been. And that's the courage that makes you feel so uncomfortable. That's the feeling, the emotion that comes across you. And you think to yourself, gee, I haven't felt this uncomfortable about life for ages. But actually, that's where the gold's held. It's where you're discovering your new talents that uh, are often very deeply buried. I say to people, I've developed talents in the last 20 years that I didn't have a clue existed. Those talents run out have given me a whole new life that I ha- I would never have lived if I hadn't had the courage, if I hadn't committed, if I hadn't had the courage, if I hadn't developed the capability and then came out the other side with some confidence. But once you've done a set of four Cs, what some people think is, oh, gee, I've reached this wonderful new level and I'm just going to sit there and wallow in this newfound confidence. Do you know what? That confidence zone slowly turns into what I call a comfort zone. And it goes from being bright and glossy to black and damaging. Comfort zones are, you've stopped learning. You're busy humming away in this wonderful world that you've just so successfully opened up. But you've forgotten that you still live in a world which is evolving and changing by the day. And that comfort zone, which was your resting place for a short period of time, is actually screaming at you, get out there and start your next project. Look up the road. Where are I going to be in the next five years? We've taken five years to do this, but if that sounds too hard, I'm sorry, that's life. Great people constantly turn to face the future. And the language that I put around that is the future creates the present. When you can see where you want to be, you'll start visualising the steps that you need to take to get there. Sets of four C's are fun once you've learned to do them. Once you understand that that courage period is part of the vulnerability that when you learn how to deal with vulnerability, and if you want to hear an absolute expert speak on it, Google Brene Brown TED Talks and watch her TED Talk uh, on vulnerability. And if you really want to take your, yourself on a wild ride of growth and um, new, new adventure, listen to what she has to say. 
So the most important thing is to not let those comfort zones just grow and slowly take you down. And I would go so far as to say that the resilience that's being forced on us at the moment and those of us who can let go of the past and figure out how we step into the future. And as I said to Robert before we started this process, I'm finding it hard as well. New Zealanders are finding it hard. But the resilient people will find a way. They will inject themselves with those powerful messages and they will propel themselves through, through the courage zone. And that forces you into the capability zone. And then, wow, once you start nailing this new and successful process together, out into the confidence zone. And I don't care what age you are, I'm still putting myself through these kind of hoops every day. Yeah. New project, get on with it. What an awesome message. What an amazing, you know, viewpoint and something very much needed at the moment. I think if ever there was a time, so Scottish agriculture probably has been in the comfort zone for, you know, maybe 20 years. Certainly in the in my lifetime, we've been fairly comfortable. We've not been making, you know, profits haven't been brilliant, but we've had a, a decent living we've had a you know the government has largely had our back it didn't feel great when it was happening but looking back it was a fairly a strong position to be in it's now all happening and we're in a weird position Doug and I think New Zealand's in the same position that we've got very good prices for what we're selling things things are going really well on the the profit and loss account at the moment but we look forward and look at what challenges are on the horizon and there's a I think there's an air of panic throughout the industry there's a, a a lot of people looking at whether their business is even sustainable in the next 12 months and, and it, i find it really challenging and, and and worrying that we're in a position that things are things are on the whole positive and we're managing to make you know we're finding all the negatives so so one of one of the key parts about that is 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 that if you if you are feeling that way uh don't hermitize don't go into down the rabbit hole. Don't poke your head down the rabbit hole. Uh, reach out and uh, find uh, somebody who's got some skills around financial management or whatever, uh, a farm advisor or, or a service set, and um, look around. And, and it's so important that human beings work with people that they feel are, are the right people for them. But it's also important that when you uh, reach out that you are prepared to have people who can tell you the uncomfortable stuff. Because if you're not prepared to deal with the uncomfortable stuff, guess what? You won't make it. So it's one of those things that I've always observed and I've particularly observed since I worked hard on getting my mental health into a much better and stronger place. Actually... Every year since I really got into mental health and working in that area, everyone has basically always been pessimistic about the future. Oh, I'm, I'm happy enough today, but the future doesn't look too flash. Do you know how you make tomorrow great, Robert? You make a great job of today. If you make a great job of today, that's your best shot. 
And if you can string five or six of those together. But the problem that I, I see for somebody who's actually got themselves into a bit of a rut, their thought patterns are off, often more comfort zone orientated than to actually stretch out and have a bit of a go at something. And when I look back through my life, the greatest opportunities came on the darkest hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do they say? The 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 the, the darkest is uh, the the hour before dawn or something. It's always darkest before the dawn. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and so about at the time when things look really impossible, believe me, they'll be possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing at the moment, the, the the reference for me is so for all my clients that the negativity all comes from the media. You know, the neg- negativity. Turn on the television, and we start to get negative. And I think at that point we need to also think about, you know, do something else. Don't don't watch the telly. Go and go and read a book. Go and well, go and get a hobby. Go and do something else because it's negativity breeds negativity, doesn't it? I um. I stopped buying the newspaper four years ago and I haven't missed it once. I, I buy the occasional one. And uh, just recently, um, a, a lot of my speaking's been uh, terminated because of COVID. And, um, and, and New Zealanders aren't doing conferences and things like that like they used to, and we can't travel. So I've lost a lot of my work. And I was, I'm writing a new book and I'm really, really enjoying that. But all of a sudden I got writer's block and uh, I suddenly found myself with nothing to do. And uh, I've always been an action cat. And um, I saw a guy was advertising for somebody to drive a tractor on a vineyard. So I've been uh, tearing up and down vineyards and that's been fabulous for my well-being. So the, um, the uh, backbone to my new book is the four pillars of well-being. And I might as well tell you the people of Scotland about that now because it's it's so important. And whether I actually ever finish the book or not, I don't care. And if somebody else wants to write a book and put these in, that's fine as well. But there are four things that you need to nurture if you want your your life to go well. You need to nurture love. You need to have love, love of something, love of somebody, love of as many as you can cope with. You know, it's uh, love is a cornerstone of well-being. If you are loved. Um, children who are loved, they don't need toys, they don't need lots of money. Love is the most important thing. It is for us adults as well. You need connection. Uh, Connection is one of the most important things. Dig yourself out of the rabbit hole if you've got your head going down there, if you're feeling exhausted from the worry of constant negative messaging about climate change and and COVID. Connect with people who have got bright ideas, who have got inspiration and vision to offer to your day. That's the second one, connection. The third one, purpose. Three months ago, I found myself starting to lack purpose. I uh, I just was found this big hole in my life, so I went out and got on a tractor May, um, brain dead kind of job up and down countless rows doing all sorts of bits and pieces in the vineyard and I absolutely love it. It's just filled me with a sense of purpose. Even the most menial task completed puts a, a glow on my face again. And so love, connection, purpose and if you get those three all together 
you'll be hopeful about the future. A hopeful human being will be constantly looking at things that they can do. They'll be looking at the next set of four Cs. They'll be conscious of the fact that in order to achieve their next goals, they're going to have to face up to their vulnerability to share the challenge that they've got with some clever people around them. Uh, Depression, uh, a lack of resilience is all associated uh, with a lot of stoic features which isolate us, which pigeonhole us, and which destroy our capability to grow and flourish like spring flowers. I've got one question that actually probably relates back to what we were discussing earlier. And and I know you've mentioned before about surrounding yourself with positive people and the people that you need in your V. Now, we all are in the position as well, supporting others and, and, you know, supporting neighbours, family, whoever. What do you do in the position if you've got someone you don't need in your V, a negative person or someone who's struggling, and then... So you, you don't need them in your V, but you know they need you. How do you, how do you manage that, so, you know, someone um, you're supporting? So, so I, really have, I really have two lives. I have my private life, and um, I've weeded the negative people out of that years ago. <laughs> um, I, they, um, they almost invariably didn't like me because I was moving too fast for them anyway, and they got envious and... and Moved, moved aside, but the, the changes I went through in life were, uh, that, that was one of the really hardest things. The things I like doing now are so different to what I used to like doing, and that meant that the people I liked also changed a lot, and that was really hard. Um, I had to learn to be respectful for those people, but I just moved away. Uh, on the other side of my life, I do a lot of counselling of um, of um breaking people and broken people. And um, I kind of find that that's a completely different thing. I've learned to manage myself in that process, although in the recent times where I've been doing a lot more of that and no much, not so much of the fun things like touring Scotland and touring England and, and touring Australia and touring New Zealand and going to conferences and meeting wonderful people who have got exciting projects, and so that's therein lies the great challenge, doesn't it? You know, if you're going to soak yourself with a diet of negative news every night, um, you're gonna you're gonna start feeling the pressure coming back at you. So I'm I'm making a conscious habit um, not to do that, and quite often my wife and I will play a game after dinner at night or something like that, just to relieve ourselves of this dreadful process of saturation of negative news. You know, every day the news starts here in New Zealand by how many new cases of COVID are there and how many people have died and how how much the temperature has increased of the world and how many millimetres of rain's fallen and it's an unprecedented flood. And, you know, and your human, our human minds can only cope with a certain amount of that. You've got to be aware of the rest of the world around you. But uh, you can't change all that stuff. You can only change the awesome fabric of your own life. Uh, concentrate on that, and that will give you 
the, the best chance of having the greatest ride. So my little simple job in the vineyards tent is a little, it's an absolute honey of a job. I go out there, I don't have to take much brain power with me, but it gives me the space to think about a lot of other things that are going on and to dream about where we'll be in a few years' time. Yeah. It sounds like you should be charging this guy for working for him rather than getting paid. It sounds like a real a real good opportunity. Well, I'm on, I'm on track to drive his wages, but I notice that every now and again he slides in front of me just before I go into a row, so I have to stop in his truck. And he says, last night before you went, Doug, you were talking about this. Can I just ask you a few more questions about that? <laughs> and I sort of think, oh, maybe I should be upping my hourly rate. <laughs> Uh, good. But you know, like to me, he's a young he's a young guy with a massive business, probably forty million dollar business, um, hugely profitable. The grape industry in Marlborough. Uh, for any of you who have tried, and I tried, I saw if, um, a few people where I stayed uh, were drinkers of Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. Um, well, I can tell you, we're in for a bumper season this year, and part of it's because you've got this wonderful old talker who's actually doing some work for a change in, in growing it. But uh, the, the region is setting itself up for a fantastic harvest after an extremely poor one last year. And I know that in England, um, the wines from here are very, very popular. England, Ireland, Scotland, yeah. very popular. So there, that's a little bit of advertising on the side. I, I probably won't get it at my hourly rate won't change. No, <laughs> you haven't mentioned his name either, so we, you definitely won't get a raise. Um, so two final wee points, I suppose. One is, so you did, you recorded a short video for us about about worry, and I think it's really important maybe to bring that into here as well. About so we were the discussion was basically about um, New Zealand being the threat to you know we don't need to produce food anymore. New Zealand will do it for us. Was the you know that that's the the farmer worry, if you like, and it was the, the video really just to signpost it and, and maybe talk through it just now is actually why that's not the case. Uh, why why New Zealand farmers won't, won't be a problem for UK farmers? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, look, I tell you what, um, we've got um, uh, a Labour government here and, um, and they're uh, strongly aligned also with the Greens and, um, and, and and very socialist, very left, left wing. And they've decided that uh, they'll sell. Um, uh, they, we, I can't sell my farm to an overseas person anymore unless it's an overseas airline or polluter that wants to buy uh, a farm and plant it in trees. And if they want to do that, well, we'll sell it. We're selling New Zealand wholesale. So hundreds of thousands of ewes are different, disappearing off the uh, map here. And we're planting Pinus radiata, which is a, a, a horrible little tree, all over our beautiful landscapes. We're doing that on one hand. Um, they set a target to plant a billion trees, so it's going to be a hell of a big area. So we've got that going on. Uh, we've got the Chinese and the Americans buying lamb from us, fighting over it. So we've got the highest prices we've ever had. Uh, our son is just uh, drafting all of our lambs at the moment and we're on money where we've never, ever been before. There's just a terrible shortage of product. And so if if there's any left that will get as far as the UK, I'd be surprised. But there we go. I don't, you know, 
Uh, there is a bit of effort. The, the Chinese have fallen out with the Australians and we're still in with them, but uh, we're very close to Australia. And there's a bit of um, trade tension around some of that, but at the moment, um, China has invested a lot of money in New Zealand and um, those are all in shared investments where they're really obliged to uh, do business with us. So that market up there, they've had the swine flu flu through and um, pork, which is a massive contributor to their protein market, is decimated and it keeps making a return circle through their process. Uh, Australia's had a huge amount of droughts, so they're in a rebuild. Uh, droughts and fires of, of just unbiblical proportion. So they're in a rebuilding phase over there. Um, yeah, my, my youngest son's a grain broker in Western Australia. They're getting prices beyond where they've ever been before. And China said that they used to buy most of Australia's grain. And they don't buy any more. They said, no, we're not going to touch that anymore. But world prices for all food items are through the roof. Another interesting thing in in New Zealand, there was a lot of fuss about artificial meat. And you can hardly give the stuff away here now. It started to occupy a bit of supermarket space. But pretty much everyone that sort of went raving about it and how it was going to be great, they've all got sick or poor or worse. And um, you can hardly, I don't think even the cats will eat the stuff anymore. So, you know, there's a, a diminishing supply, uh, political di- disruption in New Zealand like I've never seen before. And despite New Zealand farmers having the most money for any pro- for their products we've ever seen, morale in New Zealand farming is the worst I've ever seen, and that's mostly brought on uh, by political political uh, uncertainty and, uh, and processes around that. So sad, sad days in New Zealand, but as I said to you before, uh, the opportunities in life, the, after, the, after the darkest hour, the dawning of the new time, and I know you've always referred to us, you know, the, the uh, Scottish farmers, New Zealand farmers as brothers, you know, as a, uh, you know, we're, we're in this together. And I think it's very interesting to, to hear that many of your complaints and issues are actually mirrored here, carbon credits, woodland, um, you know, d- priorities that aren't food related. And, and I think, as you say, there has to be a positive fr- from all of this for those that remain in the industry producing food, there is a a rich reward to come. I'm, I'm, I'm confident of that anyway. Um, the final, final question I wanted to ask was: so your, your tour was 2000. Was it 2017? You were here. 18. 18. Um, so the one, obviously, we would, we would be really keen to have Doug Avery back in, in uh, Scotland again for a, a, a tour. But the one group of New Zealanders we'd like to have back even more is the All Blacks, because I think we fancy our chances at the moment. <laughs> I, I, um, while we keep the uh, current coach and the current captain, I think Scotland's got the best chance of ever t- uh, at taking us and it'll get a monkey off our backs because you're one of the few countries that plays rugby really well that hasn't ever beaten us. And I think yeah. every time that we play uh, Scotland, every All Black that goes on the field thinks, hell, I hope I'm not part of a team that loses to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, um, uh, Kiwis, Kiwis um, uh, were very disappointed in our team this year. 
and uh, there's a lot of challenge for change there. But I, I, I always think that they've been high for a long time and, and that's just the cyclical nature of everything. We have times when the world's up, times when the world's down. Yeah, and it's nice to give other people a go from time to time as well. <laughs> form, form the All Blacks need to form a, 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 a V and get flying like geese. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we just we just need some new leadership. But it was always a mistake to put Ian Foster in there. He's a good guy, but he's got no new ideas, and the rest of the world's figured this out. I um, keep in contact with quite a few Scottish people that I met when I was over there. And they love uh, uh, pointing it out to me where we are, and I love hearing about it as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, we. I, I, and for me, my tour of Scotland made me realise I thought that the closest country to New Zealand was Australia, and I spent a lot of time over there, and I get on really well with the Aussies as well. But I never felt as as much at home as I did in Scotland. Um, and isn't that interesting? That's amazing. And it's great. You know, I, I do find it a, it's a privilege to, to speak to you and be involved. We've done quite a few things back and forward and it's been really good. And it, as a, as you say, that those common messages, those um, the commonality between what you guys are doing and what we, are, what we are doing or what we're all trying to achieve, you know, we are all in this together. And I think that's... I think, uh, um, so I think communication communication's a massive thing. And, you know, that's why geese honk when they fly. They encourage each other to greater heights. And I hope that my talk is, you know, what's a New Zealand farmer coming on to encourage Scottish farmers to greater heights for? Well, I don't feel threatened by you and you shouldn't feel threatened by us. We're not in that game anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think what a brilliant message to finish on. Let's be positive. Let's kick on and, and get on. Do what we be courageous don't get out of the comfort zone and, and uh, get on and be successful. Thank you very much, Doug. That's been brilliant. And I uh, look forward to speaking to you in the future. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Excellent. Take care.